podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm so glad that you're joining us for the Seven Churches series. This series is about the seven churches in the book of Revelation. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I pray that you are strengthened and encouraged by today's message. About the Church of Laodicea, um, I hope that uh, this I, I hope this is ministered to you, spoke to you. I hope you learned something. Revelations chapter three, beginning in verse fourteen, looking at the Church of Laodicea, and so excited about this morning. Excited about what's going to be happening next Sunday. Um, don't forget all of our announcements going on. You know, as you're turning there, just kind of really quick, as we've gone through these churches, our first church was the Church of Ephesus. And uh, their commendation was that they had worked hard and persevered. Their rebuke was that they had forsaken their first love. The action, what Jesus tells them to do, is to return to the works they had done at first. And then we talked about the church in Smyrna. And Smyrna, it had suffered, it had stayed faithful even in the persecution and the poverty that they were suffering, there really wasn't a rebuke for Smyrna, but Jesus did tell them, don't be afraid. Then the next church, the third church we talked about was Pergamum, and they had remained true to the faith, even in the midst of the idol worship and the emperor worship, but they had compromised with unbelievers and false teachers And the Lord asked them, he told them, commanded them to repent. Then we talked about Thyatira. And they acted in love and faith and service. Remember, the Lord commended them for that. They were growing in that. But they had allowed immorality and false teaching enter their church. And so the Lord told them to hold tightly to what they had, that love, that faith, that service. Then we talked about Sardis. Sardis, um, the Lord really didn't have a commendation for them. And their uh, rebuke was is that they were superficial and that uh, what he added, asked them to do is to go back and to what they heard at first and believed and act on that. Philadelphia, we talked about last week, they remained faithful in the midst of it all. They remained faithful. The Lord did not have a rebuke for them and the Lord spoke to them to hold on to what they have. And so today we're starting with Laodicea and so we're going to be reading a, a few verses here. Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And the angel of the church in Laodicea, the words of the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Verse 15, I know your works, that you're neither, hot, neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17 For you say, I am rich, I have proposed, and I need need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, and poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined as fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Verse 19, those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) We're like, yes, Lord, discipline me. I want to know that you love me. Sorry. 
we kind of forget that how the Lord does that. Discipline and so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I'll come in and I'll eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So who has an ear, let him hear and hear what the Spirit says to the church. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning once again. We just pray, Lord, let us speak to us. Let us hear your voice, Lord. Let our hearts be good soil. Receive what you want to speak to us through your word today. And let us see a harvest 30, 60, 100 times that which is sown. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are, the last church, and I'm sure as reading through the scripture, there are things that left out to you maybe that you've heard about many times that he wishes you either hot or cold or he's going to spew out of his mouth, spit you out of his mouth. We also see the verse that many hold on to about him standing at the door and knocking. So many familiar with these passages, but let's just break this down just really quickly. Just like with all the other churches, here's Jesus once again having another way that he's introducing himself he's he's describing who he is and i think this is important because you know god is big did you know that did you know that god is big i mean like us using that terminology it doesn't even quantify on the enormity of our god i know i've said this so many times but the bible says that god measures the universe by the span of his hand from his pinky to his thumb if you Everybody just do that really quick. Go like, just stretch your hand out like you're going to do a basketball. But from your pinky to your thumb, that's the span of your hand. And God measures the universe by the span of his hand. We have a big God. And I think sometimes we get too concerned that we're going to miss God. And I tell people all the time that God is too big to miss. He really is. But here's Jesus once again describing himself as the amen. And what that meant was that he is the yes, the true one. He, yes or the, or the truly. It talks about him being the true witness, him being at the beginning. The Bible tells us in John, we read about in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word, the word was God. And it even goes on to say that nothing was created except through him. I mean, Jesus has been there since the beginning. And so when it says that he is the amen, Jesus is perfectly trustworthy, faithful, and able to guarantee his word. There's, I would say that there is not any one of us, we may try to and want to, and we want people to take us at our word, but I'm going to tell you, we cannot 100% guarantee the things that we promised, but Jesus can. I said, Jesus can. He is the amen, the true one. The Bible says that as the amen, he what, what that means is he guarantees the truth of God's promises, and those promises are still available today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. 
Some people say that, and I mean, it's not wrong. I don't think it's completely accurate, but that when we say amen, it means so be it. But a more accurate way to picture that is every time that you say amen, you're saying Jesus' promises are trustworthy. I mean, that's the way we need to perceive it in our, in our vernacular. When we say amen, we're saying everything, all of his promises are yes in him. And not only that, thing about this, we know that in Antioch is where um, Christians were first called little Christ, little Christians. That's what it means to be like Christ, uh, Christ-like. I mean, think about it, that we should be that example as well, that through us, people around us should see that his promises are real, are accurate, that they're faithful. We should be that representation of Jesus as well. But it says to the angel of the Lord, the church in Laodicea write, the words, amen, faithful, true witness, the beginning of creation. Jesus calls himself the witness. That's really quickly want to point this out. What that word witness means, man, you may want to even kind of underline it in your Bible maybe, but Jesus calls himself this witness and it literally means martyr. And that's what, I mean, Christ was really, I mean, the, the most important martyr that we had, but he's the one that gave himself for us, for the church. But we pick up in Revelations verse 15. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The accurate term for that spit is actually Vomit. Some of your translations may say that. But as we've gone through all of these churches, I mean, we have looked at different things that Jesus said that, I mean, really worked just with examples in that. I mean, it was was a living parable, what was unfolding, that Jesus was using the identity and, and struggles and things about that local church, the local community that the church that was, that they were, the, the city that they were in, to bring out a point to uh, get their attention, to speak truth of them. And this verse, these two verses that neither hot nor cold, and because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. It, this goes along with that as well, because the Laodicean water supply was, uh, they had no water on their own. They had, they had no water supply, with, they had no spring, no, no river, no lake, nothing where they themselves could draw water from. But there were two cities close to them. One of them um, you may have never heard of before, and, but one of them was uh, Colossae. Does any, would anybody have a guess what significant about that city Colossae? We, we have a book that Paul wrote a letter to the Colossians. That was that city. And so there was a city to the northwest called Heropolis, and then we have um, Colossae. And so what's significant about Heropolis is that, so they created these aqueducts, and inside this city to the north, they had, they had hot springs. It was hot water. It was, you know, people would come from all around to soak in, in the hot springs. I've, 
You know, I've, I've, I've been to many places in Colorado and, and been able to soak in hot springs. Have you ever, ever done that? I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's been, I mean, th- that water usually has some kind of minerals and, and you can soak in it. So they were, they were piping in, they were bringing in an aqueduct, these, this hot water from Heropolis, and, um, but it also had a very strong sediment in it. And so, but that's coming in their city. But in Colossae was a, a fresh water spring that was very cold. And so they had aqueducts coming in from Colossae. And so that was being brought into them. And it was very cold at its originate. And so here we have hot water coming in. And here we have cold water coming in. But the thing is, by the time it got to the city and those aqueducts, the hot water was lukewarm. The cold water was lukewarm. And it would come there and people actually would come in and thinking they were going to get just a, you know, they would come to the, and f- find this water and thinking they're going to get this fresh drink of water. And so visitors and travelers coming through would actually scoop up, you know, drink this water. And their reaction was, was to spit it out. But if they ingested too much because of the sediment that was coming in for Heropolis, it would actually make them nauseated and they would vomit. And so here's Jesus once again saying, I wish that you were hot or cold. And sometimes we make this illustration that uh, it's bad to be hot and it's, or that it's better to be hot than to be of the cold. But in this instance, what Jesus is saying and what we can take away from this is, yeah, we need to be on fire. I mean, we need to be on, on you know, burning with the, the fire of God, but we also need to be cold, refreshing to all of those that need a drink of the living water. See, the Bible says in John 7, 7, 37, and 38, that out of our inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Do you want that living water to be lukewarm, or do you want that water to be cold? It needs to be refreshing, right? And so here we have this lukewarm, this, 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 that started out hot, that has a sediment in it. We have this cold water. This is going to come together, hopefully, I think, pretty good in just a few moments. But he says that he wishes that you be either one, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So here's something. Here's a different way to think about this. I've never thought about, you know, I, this I thought, you know what, so let's look, let's look at the checklist of what it means to be lukewarm. So to be lukewarm, you need to be apathetic and negligent about personal devotion to Christ. To be lukewarm, you need to be apathetic and negligent about a personal devotion to Christ. If you want to be lukewarm, then don't read your Bible. If you want to be lukewarm, then don't pray. Come on, somebody. If you want to be lukewarm, then, then don't engage in, in worship. If you want to be lukewarm, then don't share about your faith. If you want to be lukewarm, then don't commit yourself and surrender to discipleship. If you want to be lukewarm, then don't give, don't serve, don't grow, don't tithe. See, 2 Timothy 1.6 tells us when... You know, Paul's writing a Timothy, and he says, For this reason I remind you to fan the flame of the gift 
of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Listen, as we live this life, you're going to, I mean, through the ebbs and flows of life, listen, it, I, I wish that I could say that I was burning on fire for Jesus 24-7, 365. But I'm going to tell you, I always have my Monday mornings. I mean, and it, it's, it's decision time at that moment to say, okay, am I going to ride the week like this? Am I going to ride the week apathetic like this? Or am I going to make the decision to renew my commitment again and allow the Holy Spirit to blow inside of me and reignite that flame? So another way is this. Another way to be lukewarm is allow the world to set your standards. If you want to be lukewarm, then, allow, then take your cues from the world. Allow the world. Did you know that as believers, we have a different set of values and standards than that of the world? As believers, our value system is different. The world says, be first. God says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The world says, get all you can. God says, to give to the poor. The world says, look out for yourself. God says, considers others ahead of yourself. He says it over and over and over and over again. Give preference to one another. The world says, fight for your rights. God says, don't return insult for insult or railing for railing, but with blessings so that you may also inherit a blessing. That's different than the world. Would you agree? The world says power, domination, how to win friends and influence people. God says submission and servanthood. The world says revenge your enemies, get payback. God says forgive and pray for your enemies. The world says take, give, get all that you can. God says give and you'll be given. See, there are two places in Scripture. One is in Ephesians, and one is in Colossians, and it talks about trading that old man for the new man. But one of those verses, Ephesians 4.22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deep, deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on a new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. I preached on this verse one time and I came out in a, I like this, I mean I had a whole bunch of clothes on. And I was talking about how you take off the old self and I had all the clothes labeled. I should have done that this morning. But uh, I start, so I started talking about taking off the clothes, you know. And um, yeah, there are some that got a little freaked out. They're like, don't take your clothes off. I was like, well I'm not taking them all off. But anyway. Another way to be lukewarm is to live life in a way that surprises people that you go to church. Have you ever been in that? I'm just going to tell you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you ever have been in a conversation and then somebody says, you go to church? You might need to do a heart search. You might need to do a heart search. The Bible says we're to be the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
Lukewarm Christianity is neither brings healing to the spiritually sick nor refreshment to those who are thirsty for God. He wishes that you either be hot or cold, but not what? Lukewarm. It goes on to say in verse 17, are you okay this morning? Okay. You're kind of quiet. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor. I, I keep wanting to say pitiful, but the scripture says pitiful. I don't, but anyway, that, I, that might be appropriate too. You're pitiful. But anyway, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, white garments so that you may clothe yourself and shame your and uh, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see and so here's the thing is that looking at the city of Laodicea he says they were poor despite being a wealthy city they were poor see Laodicea of all of the cities we've talked about was the wealthiest city of them all. Laodicea was kind of like our modern-day Wall Street. Matter of fact, we have talked several times about the earthquakes that have happened that destroyed a couple of the other cities. Y'all remember that? Well, it destroyed Laodicea as well, but Laodicea refused help from the Roman government because they said, we got this. We got enough money, we'll just build it on our own. They had a bank that serviced all the other cities that we're talking about in modern-day Turkey. Uh, I mean, they were the wealthiest city, and yet here's Jesus saying, you're poor. He also said they were naked despite being, that, you know, Angela gets on to me all the time because she says I say naked like it's N-A-K-K-I-D. So I, yeah, I don't know the right way to pronounce it, but it's naked. Despite being... Despite uh, the, that the, the clothes that they manufactured. So listen to this. So Laodicea was also known. They had something very special. They produced a black wool. The only, the only area to do that. And so did you, I mean, so think about this. When you have white wool and you have black wool, you can make different colors. I mean, it's in between the white and the black, but it's more than just having white clothes and white tunics, they were able to make an array of different kind of clothes. And so they were known for their wealth. They were known that they had this unique wool. And it also says they were blind. They were blind despite the medical asav they were known for. See, Laodicea was at the forefront of medicine in that day. I mean, they had the training hospitals I mean, they had the, the, the leading doctors, and they had actually invented and had a salve that a lot of people, uh, whether it be infection or, or wounds of their eyes, that they would apply this salve, and it was a medicinal thing that would help them with their eyes. They were known for this, and Jesus says, you think you're wealthy, but you're poor. You think you got this unique clothing, this black wool, but you're naked. You think that you are very special because of this eye salve that you you have but you are blind I mean that's pretty pointed and, and significant I think and then he goes on to say this so what's the shift how how did what what where is the Lord leading to with this in Revelations 3 19 I pointed I emphasized it a few moments ago but he says what those whom I love 
I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So what he, I mean, think about this. He's saying that when you get disciplined and reproved, you know, I mean, you don't mope around and, you know, act like that, you know, this, the world's come to an end, that he doesn't love you. He's saying, no, you're going to know that I love you because the discipline that I bring into your life. Be zealous, burn for that, for me to, to, to love you as a father would love his children. He says, um, uh, Proverbs 3.12, For the Lord repro- reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. 1 Corinthians 11.32, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. 2 Timothy 2. This is one of my favorites. This is, I, I've talked about this many times, and, I, and I've talked about it so much, I almost didn't this morning, but I, I just really have to. 2 Timothy 2, it says, Now in a house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are for honorable, I mean, that's like your, that's like your good china. Right? Do we still do good china? I don't know. Maybe you have good china, and you, know, you get the, the special people that come over, you don't pull out the paper plates. You pull out the china and the, the silver. But then there are some honorable and some for dishonorable. That's the solo cups and the, that might be a bad example. But anyway, the paper plates. Verse 21, let's move on. Oh, I had a long weekend, y'all. I'm sorry. Verse 21, therefore, listen what it says. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable. And I want you to process that just for a moment. He that cleanses himself. So when we come to the Lord, he sanctifies us. You know that, right? So we come to the Lord, he justifies us. Sanctifies, justifies. Justified means that we stand before God just as if we had never sinned. He sanctifies us. He com- his Because of a sacrifice and the blood that he spilt, he completely washes, not just covers our sin, like the Old Testament sacrifices, but he completely washes us. But this verse doesn't say, therefore, if anyone allows the Lord to keep cleansing him, that's not what the verse says. It says what? If a man cleanses himself. If a man cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honorable use, set apart as holy. Does anybody want to be useful to the Lord? Useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Here's what it boils down to, is you're going to go through things in your life You're going to go through trials and tribulations and difficulties. We talk about this all the time. And what's going to happen is that that's a fire that takes place. We go through a trial of fire. And when you're in a difficult situation, do you know what usually happens? What usually happens is your ugly shows. Are you following me? When the fire gets turned up, and the situations get difficult, 
are ugly. Usually. Let me think of it. Has anybody, does anybody get hangry? Yeah, does anybody know that term? That's, that's when um, you get hateful hungry. You've seen the, the Snickers commercials, right, of Betty White and stuff, you know, and then they eat the Snickers and they change back into who they really are. And... See, what happens when you get in a, a tough situation, sometimes you react or respond in a way that is not pleasing to the Lord. That's not what he wants, that's not the reaction that he wants out of you. You see, he has given us a precious gift in the Holy Spirit that we can bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Right? Long-suffering, self-control. And so we get in that. So God uses the trials that we're in to apply this fire to our life. He already knows what's in us. He already knows you're hangry. He already knows your reaction when somebody's going to cut you off on the road. Come on, let's be real. I, I had to pray through this morning. I, I was out at Cornerstone helping with something. and I mean, like nobody's on the street at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning except right in front of me. In a 45-mile-an-hour zone going 30. I'm like, there's no puddles in front of us. I said, okay, Lord, I know what I'm preaching this morning, Lord. Okay, I hear you. You go through those situations and it exposes something about your character, your nature, your heart. But what God is trying to do in you is to fashion you and to form you. The Bible says in Jeremiah, he's trying to pull the precious out of the vile. I love that verse. He's wanting to put the precious out of the See, inside of you is diamonds. Inside of you is gold. Inside of you is something precious. And he's trying to move the characteristics of the world from you to form you in the image of his son. That's the goal, to conform us in the image of Christ. The Bible tells us how, i got, I got to hurry. I kind of parked there for a little too long. But in Malachi chapter 3, I kind of want to pick up uh, in verse 2, it's, well, I'm just skipping the first verse, but anyway, but who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? I mean, it's just talking about the holiness and the completeness of Jesus. For he'll be like a blazing fire that what? Refines metal. Or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver Burning away the dross. Helping you get rid of the dishonorable in your life. He'll purify the Levites, refining them like what? Gold and silver, so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices. I mean, it sounds so much like the Second Timothy 2.21. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel, a vessel honorable for use and useful to the master, ready for every good work. It may seem like you are in a season that is a desert. You're in a season that is difficult. You're in a season that's a trial. You're in a season where it feels like you're between the rock and the hard place. But lift up your eyes. I want to tell you that God is there sitting with you in the middle of that. And he's saying, just be patient. Just let me work. Just let me melt away this junk in your life. And so I can conform you to the image of my son and use you for my good and to be my vessel. To me, that sounds like good news. 
I mean, rarely is gold found in a pure state. It's, got, it's, it's, it's hard. It's full of substances. That ha- I mean, when you put that gold, that ore, to the fire, and they, they, they uh, begin that chemical reaction, and I can't remember right now, but they, the flux they add to it, it brings all the impurities to the surface, and they're able to scoop out those impurities, and that gold gets more pure, and, more, and it's under that fire, and then it becomes soft, and it becomes pliable. And he's telling them, listen, you're, this, this water's coming in from the city to the north of you, and it's full of sediment, and it's making you sick. Do you see the connection now? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden what does that, what does that world do to us? You know what living in the world does to us? It hardens us. It makes us jaded. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years, verse 10, therefore I was provoked with this, that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Sin is an added substance into our life that doesn't soften us. It hardens us. We get hardened because of sin's deceitfulness. And when you go through those trials sometimes in life, God is just trying to form godliness in you, to put a tender heart in you. First Peter 1, 6 and 7, right? We know this one well. In this you rejoice. Everybody say, woohoo! Yes! Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And I know the scripture is not really saying to us, it, it may help some of our mindset. I mean, he's not saying, you know, when the fire hits, be like, woo, yeah! Let's party. But what he's saying is, no, I want you to know something. It's not for nothing. It's not for nothing. I have a purpose in this. I'm trying to conform you in the image of my son. Listen to me. Holiness cannot be perfected through our own ability. I'm going to tell you somebody can dress as holy as whatever the definition of holy dress can be, but still have sin's deceitfulness in their heart. Holiness cannot be perfected through own. It, we, need the, we need that work. We need those trials. We need those tribulations because in those moments, it gives us that opportunity if a man, if a person cleanses him self why is it so important really quick a quote from john bevere i love this quote but it says if you want to justify and keep the flaws that hold you back listen to this if you want to justify and keep the flaws that hold you back god will not force you to release them remember if a man cleanses himself purification is a constant ongoing an often painful process, but know its yield, and I welcome it. What a powerful statement. Why is this so important? I think it comes down to this. It's, one, it's in one of the Beatitudes. It's, it's Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. 
and he says something very significant. Why would I welcome this process? Why would I want to go through that fire? Why, why would I want to cleanse those impurities out of my life? Well, the Bible says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they what? They shall see God. If you're longing to have an encounter with him, this is the process sometimes you have to go through. The Laodicean church was complacent. It was rich. They were self-satisfied. But you know what they didn't have? They didn't have Christ's presence with them. I mean, that we get to the verse that says what? That he stands at the door and he knocks. If anyone hears my voice and opens it, I'll come in with him and he with me. I, so de- I, was, I, I thought about it. I should have done it, but I, I wanted a door frame up here with a door. I should have done that. But He's standing at the door and he knocks. So here was a church. Here was a church. If you remember, I mean, Jesus didn't have anything good to say about the Laodicean church. I mean, it's rebuke and correction. And here he is, he's saying, you are, you are operating without my presence. You have no idea what it is that you're missing. You think that all these other things have fulfilled you, but you fail to realize that money is not what... It, the Bible doesn't say that money is evil. There's nothing wrong with having some wealth the bible says the love of money right but he's saying you have you think you have everything that you need but you don't have me you don't have me and so he's knocking on the door of their hearts and maybe they were too busy with worldly pleasures and they didn't notice and or, you know, because their money, their security, their possessions, whatever it was, their dependence on uh, the, the medical field instead of his promises and healing, it's okay. I'm going to say if I, got a, if I got a headache, I'm taking Tylenol. If I got something wrong, I'm going to see a doctor. I think God can do the miracle either way. I think he's given it all to us. But Christ is knocking on the door, and he's saying, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. And so that's my question to you this morning is, are you living life without Jesus at your table? Are you going day to day to day without Jesus at your table? And I know it's a, I I am, I I know that there's been so much, these seven weeks it's been long, I know, and the, and, and some hard-hitting things. I'm really excited for, to preach about hope. The sermon's coming up the next few weeks, but listen to me. To get that, you got to get this. To get that, you got to get this. I mean, if there's anybody that I want fellowship with, I want sitting at my table, it's Jesus. Do you know what happens when Jesus sits at your table? I... I, uh, I you know, just really quick, if you, who has their actual, does anybody have their Bible or their, who, who, oh, yes, Sammy, way to go, Jimmy, yeah, yes, I should be giving out money. So if, if you have it on your phone, too, that's, that's fine, that's, 
That's what I have up here. I don't have my actual Bible. But anyway, Psalms. You're so familiar with this. In our, we had a memorial service yesterday, and I even shared this passage. Why do you want the Lord? I, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in righteousness for his name's sake. And he goes on to say this. I mean, we're all, you know, we're all really familiar with this portion, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. You are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. But verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So you can be in the middle of that trial, that fire. You can be in the middle of this world that we live in, the secular society. Yet he prepares a table for you in the presence of all of this. See, some of us are trying to look for that exit to get away from all of our listen I, we go through seasons in life we go through awesome seasons fun seasons wonderful seasons and we go through difficult seasons and what i'm trying to say is this is to find the exit ramp when you go through something difficult is not always the answer but maybe jesus is creating a table in the midst of the storm to say you know what in the middle of it all in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the trouble, I'm still going to sustain you. I'm preparing something from you. And you're going to be able to sit at that table, and the enemy's not going to be able to refute it. He's not going to be able to come after you. So don't invite him to the table, but enjoy what I've made for you. And I'm going to pour oil. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to where you are overflowing with the Holy Spirit, even though it seems like everything around you is sucking the spirit out of you I'm going to give you more I'm going to pour more into you and my goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life see in the middle of the storm you can still know what it is to have all of God the enemy wants you to believe because you're in that storm that God doesn't love you but see the father disciplines who he loves come on somebody I'm trying in the middle of it all, you can be at that table enjoying the goodness of God and Him pouring out on you. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you for joining us for our podcast. Again, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I hope that you are encouraged through today's message and that you'll join us again.